my guest is the one and the only Jeremy Roenick, local boy made good. How are you, Jeremy? Good. Back together again. Always love being on the mic. <laughs> I know. The two canceled get guys. Better. The two canceled guys emerge. I know. <laughs> hey, the, yeah, the, the, you, you've been watching these new broadcasts on TNT and, and ESPN. What do you think? I have. I, I think it's um I think it's just the same as watching the games now. It's just boring. I think there's um I think it's I, it's so bland. I you know, it's it's like they try too hard in TNT. You know, I, I understand what they're trying to do, but you know, I'm I I don't I don't want to watch Liam McHugh try to be the try to be the, the you know, the star of the show like he think he thinks he is. And I think Biz <laughs> is I think I think Biz is great. Um, you know, Anson is extremely bland and thinks he knows everything about hockey, which he doesn't. And you know, they're um, listen. They're they're doing. They're trying to be basketball, and um, you know, I think they're trying too hard. I understand what they're trying to do, but I think they're trying too hard to bring some sort of entertainment in TNT. This, they and don't I even talk they, about hockey half the time, and you got PK Subban. So we've been answering well, that's, well, well, yeah, well, PK's on ESPN. I think ESPN, yeah. you know, I, I, I expect more from ESPN. You know, ESPN is the, the, the leader in sports, as they call themselves. And, you know, I, I, you know, I love Chelly to death, but, you know, Chelly is such a monotone, very calm person with a great hockey mind. And, you know, people, people love to hear his insight um, but Chelly has to get more animated. If Chelly got more animated, I think he'd be awesome to watch. And, you know, um, I, I just think they're missing. They're missing the, I think they're missing true honesty in the game in terms of their analysis. But, um, you know, and unfortunately, as much as I, I, I listen, I love um, inclusion. I'd love to see the, the women involved with the NHL. Uh, I think they need, they need, um, they need camera lessons they need they need how they need to know what it's like to be on tv because it's you know granted like i i love hillary knight right so hillary knight was on espn last night and as, as much as i love her and is a great hockey player she does not come across well on tv she just not, does not talk well she doesn't get her points across well she's boring to listen to even though she knows what she's talking <laughs> she, no she knows what she's talking about it's just it's it's, it's just painful to listen to because well, you know no no fluid fluidness you know yeah you know you know the it's funny because at NBC, the, we're in the communications business, but people hardly ever communicated. You know, it's not like you got a lot of lessons there. They just threw a mic on you, said "go to work," and then yelled yeah. at you if you did something wrong, right? Well, listen, I think it's I think it's a very difficult thing, and I don't think people really understand what it's like when the when the camera light goes on and the people are talking in your ear, and you have a certain amount of time to get over a point or an opinion when you're and you might have four or five opinions and you have 15 20 seconds to get it all out and sometimes it feels rushed sometimes you get the cindy brady look you know when that red light goes out it's like it's it's you freeze and you don't know where to start um and it's your voice fluctuation there, there there's a lot to be said about somebody's energy michael now you and i had we, we had the ability i think to not only one be animated but to change our voice tones and to turn into, into how we thought about what we were talking about and, and bring the, bring the viewer into what we were talking about just by our, our, the tone of our voices. Um, it's, it's, it's very hard to do. And I think that, yes, it is the first year since, uh, you know, with these two and we'll see what happens, but um, you know, TNT and ESPN, I, I think they could get well, better. I will say Hopefully that I was well. watching the Bruins game with Detroit this weekend and Messe brought up the point. I don't know if you saw that game, but, Dylan Larkin slashed uh, the stick out of David Krejci's hands, and then he got mm -hmm. immediately got a pass and s scored, uh, and they waved it off and called him for slashing. It's my least favorite penalty in hockey that you could tap a guy's stick, not even his hands, but like halfway down the shaft of his blade, and get called for two minutes. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think the game the game has evolved like our society has evolved. Um, you know, it's it's the it's the wussification of of sports. And, you know, I understand that they're trying to get more penalties so that they can score more goals and all that stuff. 
But when you're calling ticky-tack stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the course of a game, like a slash on the hands, I mean, how many times did you get slashed in the hands, Michael, or me get slashed in the hands? And, you know, you didn't even turn to even, even you know, complain about something. You know, and, you know in, in practice, Johnny Busick would come up behind you and slash your stick. And if you dropped it, he said, 25 pounds of pressure at all times. <laughs> well, hey, listen, you I know. used to play, I used to, I used to skate with Al Secord and we used to do laps around the rink and skates at the end. And if you went in front of Al Secord, he's going to slash you in the ankle and you're going to fall down. You're going to be at the back of the line. So, you know, it's, it's, you just don't, there's certain things that you don't do, but again, you know, the National Hockey League has, has, has tried to do as much as they can to increase scoring. But I think these little stupid ticky tack calls are, are, they they frustrate the hell out of me, and I'm sure they frustrate the players. Yeah, there's no doubt. And by the way, uh, you know, Al Secord, one of the tough guys in the game, <clears throat> I was traveling to do some scouting once, and I get on the plane, and who's flying it? Al Secord. I couldn't believe no it. Way. No I, way. I could That's not believe it. He's working, he's working as a pilot. That's where his second career was. I wasn't sure I was happy about him in the driver's seat. No. <laughs> well, I, I know he's a, he, he's as passionate about flying as he was about playing playing the game hockey. So I I would feel very comfortable with Al because he's a meticulous man too. So I actually saw him a couple months ago down in Dallas where he lives now, and he's he's just a wonderful guy. And you know, hey, I wouldn't want I wouldn't I wouldn't try to I wouldn't try to um, to to take over playing with him flying. You get your ass kicked really quick <laughs> by him. He was <laughs> tough as they come. Hey, listen, you, nobody around here saw the Bruins thing coming. Uh, they've just been outstanding, despite the fact they've been a little bit of a slide here. Did you have any idea that when Krejci came back and they picked up Lindholm, that they would be this good? Well, I, I you know, I was I was really curious to see what was going to happen a couple of years ago when they lost Chara. And, you know, I think Chara has really set a, a, um, a foundation of leadership on that team that that Bergeron now holds, that Marchand, Marchand now holds. And I think that guys um, guys have really, uh, really gripped on to the leadership aspect of this team. Um, and Montgomery has been a good addition. But the, again, this team is just is, is so well, I think, uh, led by the by the leadership. And Krejci a big part of that. I was disappointed when Krejci left for a year. He is one of my favorite players to watch because he's so smart and what he brings to the game and how he sees the game and how he makes other players better. But um these these guys that um, that play on the third and fourth line are as consistent as any team uh, across the board. Their defense is unbelievable. Allmark has been awesome this year, but I don't think there's a team in the National Hockey League who plays as consistent game in game out, period in period out, and are play to the system that's outlaid for them like the Boston Bruins do. And I think it starts with Bergeron and Marchand making sure that the guys are all on the same page. Well, I had somebody call me from the Globe the other day, a reporter, not a regular sports guy, but he wanted to talk about chemistry, the Bruins' chemistry. And <clears throat> I had to think about that. You know, I, I do you think there's a, such a thing as chemistry or is there just skillful players? Or I, I answered it by saying, you know, it starts at the top. You have to get good players who are committed by the manager and scouts goes to the coach who's got to be equally committed and communicative. And then you have to have your key players with a certain, you know, level of skill, but also the intensity and the work ethic that then trickles down. That's as best as I can yeah. see. But I've never I, seen a, a team with chemistry that was losing, right? They only talk about no. teams winning that have chemistry. What's chemistry? No, and I think, I think chemistry starts in the locker room. I think with respect and character, um, I think the Bruins have very good character players in that locker room that understand that there is there is a pecking order in that team, uh, that everybody does have a job and everybody everybody knows what their job is and the chemistry comes from being prepared, and I don't think I don't think you want to be at Brad Marchand's um, you know bad side yelling at you when you're not you're not pulling your weight or not doing the right thing that you're supposed to be doing or have to answer to a Patrice Bergeron. You know, telling telling you guys that you're that you're slacking off or you're not doing your job properly. Um, it, it is. It, there's no question. Chemistry will will feed right down the lineup. And when you're having fun together, you prepare better. And I, I think nobody, the character on the Bruins, I see player for player, 
I think there's kind of maybe more respect for the preparation of the game that they're showing this year than a lot of teams. Cause you see some teams, some teams just like the Washington Capitals, they just put their skates on and think they're going to go out and win hockey games most nights. And that just doesn't work that way. It, it's a, it's a mental mind preparation that I think Boston does not take lightly. Well, they've been pretty consistent and I, I don't know, I've never been on a team where everybody loved each other. It's, it's just a, a myth, but what was your favorite team that you played on? What was the best year you ever had at most fun, I guess? Is I had two I had two years that were probably the most fun that I've ever had playing hockey. And it's the 2004 Philadelphia Flyers, uh, guys with John LeClaire, uh, uh, Mark Recchi, uh, Simone Gagne, myself. At the end of that year, Tony Amonti was on that team. Alex Shamnoff was on that team. Uh, Justin Williams. Uh, we we should have won the Stanley Cup that year. We had too many injuries that year, but uh, that was probably the best team I ever was on, as well as the two thousand eight two thousand nine San Jose uh, San Jose Sharks with Joe Thornton and and uh, and Joe Pavelski and uh, you know the the whole crew there was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I do remember. Well, any team I played for with grapes in three years was just fun. And we were, you know, he had a couple whipping boys, but he generally speaking, he, <laughs> yeah. he loved his guys and he communicated with them. And he was, you know, we're talking about it. He, he was the only coach on the bench. There weren't like five guys. You just reported yeah. to grapes. And, but he had a special way uh, of making you feel good about yourself and your role on the team. Even if you weren't Brad Park, which I wasn't, but, who were your favorite coaches and why? Well, Mike Keenan is one of my top guys because he was the guy, he was the guy that uh, coached me with, uh, with a firm, a firm fist and, um, and an open heart to tell you the truth. Um, he would kick my ass left, right and center and would scream to, to nobody's business Um when he when he didn't see exactly what he wanted from me and i and he toughened me up he made me play physical he made me play a style of hockey and a brand of hockey that was very tough to deal with if you were a opposing player and uh, he put a lot of confidence in me even though even though at the time he was one of the he was he was called iron mike for a lot of reasons and there was a lot of players that hated him because they didn't like the way mike screamed and yelled um, but Mike, Mike said something to me really important when I first got to Chicago at 18 years old. He goes, listen, I yell and I scream a lot. And it's not because I don't like you. It's because I think because you're because you're you're short selling yourself and you're letting your teammates down. That's the only reason I'm going to be yelling at you. So don't let me do it. Uh, it's not because I don't like you. And I think that 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 mentality has kind of gotten lost through the years, because now these kids today, you yell at them and they crawl under the under the table and start <laughs> pouting. And say, oh, this coach doesn't like me, and boo-hoo, and and then quit. Um, Mike Keenan didn't let me do that, um, so he was one of my favorites, without question. Daryl Sutter was a followed up with that, and Todd McClellan, who was one of my last coaches in, in San Jose, was a, another really good guy that kind of allowed me to be the player that I wanted to be at the end of my career, which um, made it a lot of fun at the end. Well, um, the Bruins are having a little trouble in the power play. What's what are the essentials of a good power play? They seem to be static right now. Yeah. Well, they're stagnant. I mean, I've watched the games right now and, 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 and it's easy to get in this rut at the end of the season. They got 15 games left to playoffs. They've obviously they're going to win the, the, the president's trophy is the best team in the league. And I think it's, it's easy to kind of let your, your guard down and kind of not pay attention to the details, but a power play, you have to have movement in the power play. If, if you're stagnant and you try to do too much, try to be too cute uh, you, you're going to end up turning the puck over and chasing the puck 200 feet down and wasting time. And I think the Bruins just have to get back to just the simplicity of a of a power play. Get guys to the front of the net. Get pucks to the net. You know, puck recovery. And um, you know, not not it's it's just too stagnant right now. You need you need movement and need more shots and less passing. Yeah, they they seem to have. There's Martian on the half wall, Bergeron in the bumper. Postonok setting up for the one-timer. I mean, it just seems like it's just too predictable. And that lack of movement, I think, is the death knell for a power play, right? For, uh, for sure. Yeah, you just you just you're just playing into the penalty killer's hands. You're making it easy on them. You know, you have to make penalty killers move because the more they move, the more they're going to get out of position. And you know, there's 
the reason it's a power play because it should be one open guy. But if that guy's not moving, it, you make it so much more easier to guard against and to and to defend. But like I said, it's it's very easy to to get lackluster at this point of the season that the Bruins are in when you pretty much dominated this the whole season. They're looking for the playoffs right now. They're they're. they're they don't want to play these last 15 games. They want to get to the playoffs and, and continue the role that they're on. That's that's kind of the feeling I get from them. I mean, you don't go into Detroit and lose in Detroit and lose in Chicago because you're because you want to break the record for the most wins. They're just bored. <laughs> well, <clears throat> they're going to take some heat around here. As you know, people don't like to lose when they're winning just about every game already. The the uh, hammers well, come you mean, out. You mean, you, mean, you, mean Boston, you mean Boston Bruins fans are spoiled? Come on, no. <laughs> the whole city's been spoiled. Who do you think did the best job at the at the trade deadline? Uh, I think that's 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 pretty tough to say. There's a couple teams that did that did pretty well. I mean, Rangers did pretty well. Obviously, getting Patrick Kane was great. I think he's really going to fit in really well once he gets used to playing in Madison Square Garden. Um, you know, I think the Bruins brought you know. I think Toronto. I think Toronto did a really good job getting uh, getting O'Reilly. Um, that was a really good trade for them. Um, you need a little bit of different mentality in that Toronto locker room because you know what they've been through over the last eighteen you know eighteen years has been pretty demoralizing for them. Uh, they need someone with some pedigree, and I think O'Reilly gives them a little bit of that. Um, but you know, I, I don't think I don't see anybody really being the the all out winner come trade deadline. Well, the Bruins picked up Bertuzzi, who has not been as productive, but he's looked like he's going to be a good player. Orlov has been sensational. I and love Hathaway. Orlov. I thought I I thought that pickup of Orlov was fantastic. I he is he's one of the more underrated players in the game, I think, because he's he's got a mean streak. He plays physical, but he's also talented in playing the power play. So uh, Hathaway again, he's a grit. He's a grind guy. Um, yeah, I. I I, there's no question those guys that you just said are, are really, really good additions to uh, to the Bruins. I know nothing but draft picks, which is what I like. They didn't touch anything off their their own roster. They were able to keep that intact. In I mean, they may pay the price five years from now because they have no draft picks, no number one mm -hmm. picks for three years, I think. But I like the pickups. Um, well, I, th I think you're right too. I think you're right too because you have to you have to give them the odds-on favorite for sure to win the Stanley Cup. And if you if you're that close, you know, go win it now. Win it now. Worry about you know the rebuild later if that's what has to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Well, just kind of sticking with the Eastern Conference, Carolina just got dealt a really nasty blow when Svechnikov mm -hmm. got hurt. Did you happen to see that? It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. It was like. Middle of the ice, nobody around him. I don't know if he caught a rut or what, but he, yeah, he blew out his I, knee. Yeah, he had to have caught a rut. And you know, it doesn't take too much when you when you have that much power and and you're skating along. But uh, it was definitely an unfortunate one. And I think that's one that that's going to hurt Carolina tremendously because they cannot afford to lose a guy like that, especially when you're going up against a team like New Jersey, who's been probably one of the most the, the surprise teams of the National Hockey League and coming right up behind them in the standings. Um, you know that's who's gonna who's gonna pick up that load? I don't think. Yeah, no, they already lost. They already lost Pacioretty, and I thought he was coming back mid-season, and then he 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 blew a tire as well, and and now they're they were to me they were the biggest threat to the Bruins because of their speed and their uh, incessant checking. I mean, they they, yep. they gave the Bruins all sorts of fits last year. I know the Bruins are a little different this time around, but. They seem to me to be the biggest threat again. Yeah, well, I think they play this, a, a lot of the same style of game, Michael. You know, they they're very good defensively as a team. That all of them work extremely hard uh, around the puck and 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 are good good um, good uh, trailers. They all work back hard for their defensive zone. I mean, the Bruins are very good like that. So defensively, both teams are very strong, and you know, offensively, the Bruins are, are, are better, I believe, and the goaltending is better, but they're very similarly coached and the way that they approach the game. So I agree with you, but I, I still think the Rangers are going to be a team that's going to be a lot of, uh, is going to be a scary team to deal with. Um, never, never count out Tampa once they get there. I mean, yeah. I was going to ask you about them. You don't think that they're done. Do you, I mean, is she Cooper's benching yeah. some of their key players and seems to be, a little unhappiness in the Garden of Eden down there. 
<laughs> yeah, and they come back last night and they and they have a big they respond really well, right? So again, when you've played as much hockey as the the Tampa Bay Lightning have played over the last five years, it's it, this time of year is very difficult. Um, it, again, Toronto is is playing as good a hockey as as most teams in the league, although they just lost to Buffalo the other night. But but is it is it Toronto? Do they feel with with Johnny Tavares having the year that he's having, Marner having the year that he's having, a couple of the additions that they have? Is it that time that they finally win a series after eighteen years? The I don't know. Is- I look at their defense and I say I scratch my head after you know Morgan Riley and and Giordano's like one hundred and ten now, and their goalies yeah. are not exactly stellar, That's the right? Key. That's that's the big key is the goaltending situation and and by the way and you're going to have to play Tampa in the first round, right? Uh, we all know what what how how hard that's going to be because of their pedigree. Um, you know, Toronto blew blew the seven game series last year against Toronto when they had them you know down three two with two games to go and they let them off the hook and lost the series last year. You know that's going to be in their mind come the first round again this year. It's like oh my god they're going to go in hoping to win the first round, not going in there confident that they will. You, you mentioned New Jersey a little while ago as a surprise team. I mean, surprises, to put it mildly, I think. They have been, and they now have Vitek Vanacek and another guy by the name of Schmidt in goal. <laughs> I don't know who Schmidt is, but he seems to be yeah. playing pretty well. Like a 1-9 well, goals against average. He's 8-4-1, and 3-0-1 in his last four games since his recent call-up. I mean, but they and they pick up Timo Meyer, who is a pretty good addition. Is right. not? Yeah, Timo Meyer is a great addition. He, he might be one of the better goal scorers in the National Hockey League. I mean, he's got 30, 36 some odd goals. He didn't score for the first 15 games of the season, Michael. So you kind of look at the scoring pace that he's been on. He is a tremendous, uh-huh. tremendous offensive player. And Lindy Ruff's got to be it's got to be odds on favorite for the coach of the year. I mean, I don't know if you can give it to Montgomery, you know, with the team that he has. But what what Lindy Ruff has been able to do there in, in New Jersey has been unbelievable. And what what uh, what Hughes, Jack Hughes has been able to do this year. I mean, he's exploded as, as the player that everybody expected him to be. Uh, Brat has been great, uh, you know. It's they have been a lot of fun to watch, and they play with a lot of energy. And you know, I I wouldn't want to be playing them first round. I'll tell you that with their. Yeah, are you energy. a Dougie Hamilton fan? Nope, I'm not a Dougie Hamilton fan. <laughs> even though he's having a great, even though he's having no, great, a great minds year. think alike. Jr. I just think yeah, character's I missing there. Hey, listen, I I still think he's going to go back into the corner and he's going to see somebody coming at him. He's going to see his own shadow and pull up like he's done in the past and make a bad play in the the playoffs and cost his team. Although he's having a very good year. Dougie Hamilton's a great hockey player. There's just something about him that that uh, that just bothers me. I can't put my finger on one of the things. I I can. It's the lack of grit. It's the lack of Ronicus. We've. We have seen we we have seen him bail out of situations when he should get the puck and and make a play, and literally you know pull up and and give you the give you the here you go it's your puck I'll chase you don't hit me, and I I've never been a big fan of of players like that. Listen, I'm not ripping on Doug Hamil- Dougie Hamilton, but there is a there is that that uh, fear of his own shadow that bothers me. So um, it's just kind of finishing up the Eastern Conference at the bottom of the heap. We know the Rangers could be dangerous. We know Toronto's got the potential to score at a given any given time. We know that Tampa's got their, you know, their history and experience and probably the best goalie in the game. What about Pittsburgh? Is there anything I was, I, yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna say the Pittsburgh Penguins are one of those uh, one of those head scratchers. You know they're they they've got they went eight games in a row that they lost and they won eight games in a row. Um, you have you have an emergence again of of of, uh, of Genny Malkin having a huge year. He's going to finish in the high eighties in points. Sidney Crosby is going to you know get up close to a hundred points. I mean these guys are 36, 37 years old and they're putting up big numbers like that. Genzel is always tough to deal with. Uh, Latang has been playing great. The problem with them, like you saw Tristan Jari last night, he was just as a sieve doesn't even a, a broken sieve would probably be Tristan Jari last night. You know, four four goals on seven shots. You know, when you're trying to hold on to a playoff spot, you can't 
I, I don't, I'm not confident in their goaltending, but um, you know, when you have leaders like, like Latang, Crosby and Malkin, you can never count this team out because they, they like to, they like to get into a track meet, you know, they'll beat you seven, six, six, five, if they, if they have to, but um, you know, it's a tough way to play, but never, never count out those, those top guys. I mean, the, the other team that scares me a little bit, if you're a Bruins fan, if they match up in the first round is the Islanders because mostly of their goaltending. Sorokin can be very good. Yeah. He can be, he can steal games from you and they, they play a gritty disruptive kind of style. They're not blessed with a lot of offensive skills, but they can, you know, Horvath well, makes a difference. Yeah. They don't scare you though. Do they, they don't scare you. I mean, what, who, who on the Islanders really scares you in terms of just the goalie, maybe just the goalie and the fact that they do work hard, but that's, that might be it. But I mean, would you rather play, if you're the Bruins, would you rather play Pittsburgh or the Islanders? Oh, I'd much rather play the Islanders without question. I'd much rather play the Islanders because you play Mm -hmm. a, you you play a very strong defensive game like the Bruins play Uh, their, their special teams and their offense will, will, will overpower the Islanders offense. I believe. So who comes out of this conference? I, I mean, I still think the Bruins do. Uh, the Bruins are just they're, – they're two poised right now. I think they're they're loaded from back to front. They all – all lines play the same. It's like one it, – it's 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 like a line after line. It's a, it's a barrage of, of consistency, obviously. And um, you can't push the Bruins out. And I think there's a lot of teams right now that could be delicate that could get pushed out. Well, okay. So Bruins maybe come out of the East, but it's going to be a battle. I don't think they're going to walk through anything. But in the West, I'm sort of scratching my head. Like, is Vegas really that good? No, I'm telling you the team that to look out for. And LA Kings? That nobody, no, no. I'm, and it's a team that the NHL does not want anywhere near the finals, and that's the Winnipeg Jets. Um, they got the goaltending. They've been stumbling a little bit lately, though. Yeah, well, they? they've, they've Morris, Morrissey's been hurt. They've had a couple injuries. If they can get Morrissey back and they get a couple guys back uh, off of injury, uh, they were one of the hottest teams uh, a couple about a month and a half ago. They're just beating everybody. Um, yeah, the Kings play well. Colorado's got injuries left, right, and center. They just yeah, Lekin and just went down. They just lost uh, Arturi Lekin, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, no, it, that that hurts them a lot. Um, Winnipeg is just one of those teams. Vegas is going to be tough, but you know if Jack Eichel doesn't wake up and and start being the player that that Jack Eichel is, um, you know Mark Stones is always is always the kind of the you know, the, the ace in the hole, but he's always hurt. He's, he's, he's battled injury and he's not always healthy. Um, you know, Carlson <laughs> is not, not dependable. Um, they, they have a good team, but I just think Winnipeg is built better uh, for a, for a playoff style of, of game than, than either of those teams. Does Dallas do anything for you? Again, they've shown they've shown a lot of good promise, and they're at the, at the top of the Western Conference for a reason. Um, you know that first line of Rupe Hints and Joe Pavelski and Robertson. I mean, they are they are good. They are strong. Their defense is good. Um, but after I'm that, really... do they they have. I mean, Sagan's not much left in the tank, and no, Ben's... but Ben's played well over the last two months. Ben's starting to pick up his game. Uh, they're again they play they play a very tough style to play and i don't know if you've seen dallas play at all lately but they are a big team michael i watched them play chicago a couple weeks ago and they are mammoth people like they are on the ice they are fast and they are big and they're intimidating with the exception obviously of joe pavelski but um that it's a good hockey team but uh, again you don't know what team's going to show up with Dallas. It's one of those wishy-washy teams that when they're going, they are tough to beat, which is why they went to the finals a couple of years ago. But if they're off, man, they're, they're, they're off. You know, when uh, you look at the Western conference, you hardly ever speak the name, the Minnesota wild, right? But they're playing, they're playing some good hockey right now. And he made some and good then, deals at the I'm deadline. Assuming. And unassuming, unassuming, right? They've they have gone about their business and have been winning games because they've been winning games low scoring, two one, three one, three two, one nothing. Uh, just I think I think Bill Guerin's done such a great job with that team 
And that, I mean, that young Russian kid is just, uh, he is so much fun to watch. He can, every time that kid's on the ice, something happens. And that's, you know, you got Zuccarello, who's the, who's just a, a smart player who makes everybody better. I, I wouldn't want to play Minnesota in the first round. Not at all. I, I would not want to play them. And, and I don't know. I don't know whether Flurry is going to be able to hold up that team in goal, but um, he has a lot of pedigree. And when you have pedigree and you know when to turn it on, um, that that's that team is well built. But it's again getting through the playoff jinx. They can't get past that first round. It, it seems to me that this Western Conference is going to be an easier ride than the Eastern Conference. Do you agree with that? Oh, the Western Conference is much is is much weaker than the East. The East is a beast. You see, I mean, you see, the West is almost pretty much you know the top eight or pretty much been decided. The East, you still have Florida that can still make it. Buffalo can still make it. Um, there's a, there's like three teams that are still right in the mix of of still making the playoffs, and it's going to be a a battle all the way to the end. Um, that East and and the East really did prop did the most in terms of uh trade deadline acquisitions to bolster their their lineup so you know i i'd have to think the east is going to come out with the cup this year um in the western conference i know this team's not going to make any difference when it comes to the playoff time but vancouver is seven two and one in their mm -hmm. last 10 games is that the rick talking effect it is the Rick talking effect. There's no question about it. You know, when you have a, a guy in behind the bench that played the way Rick does, you 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 are accountable to your to your coach. Your your way you play is accountable. Uh, talk is not going to let you off the hook. Um, I think talk is one of those guys who will let the players be themselves. Um, will let them play the way that they want. Uh, you know, Pedersen has played so much better under Rick Tockett. Um, than he did in the last two years under the previous coaches. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, there's no question. I mean, look at the, look what they've done defensively. The penalty kill, they've scored like eight shorthanded goals in the last 18 games. I mean, Tockett's letting them go. He's letting them be themselves. And, you know, he'll support you when, when you're playing great, but he'll also, he'll also pull you by the ear when you're not. And, you know, he's a front – like, I, listen, I've been friends with Rick Tockett for a long time. I know exactly how he, how he is – personally and i think guys will really respond to him and they have lately um a couple more things who's the best goalie you ever played with or saw how's that the best goalie you in your in your time which was extensive in this league who was the best well, goalie you ever saw well i played i played on a team with eddie belfour and dominic hasek on the same team and it was, you know, the early Chicago Blackhawks days. That was amazing watching these guys go. I mean, Dominic Kasich used to come in the net and practice and used to drop his stick and play like a floor hockey goaltender. And I remember Mike Keenan <laughs> came out and, and Mike Keenan came out and taped his stick to his blocker hand so he couldn't let it go, like in practice, because Mike Keenan hated the way that 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 Dominic Kasich played goal. But he was so hard to beat. Um, you know, you know, you know, I have to tell you, uh, just excuse me for a second. I went yeah. to the world championships one year, I believe it was in Stockholm and Hashik was playing and he played just exactly the way you're describing the way he played yeah. when he was here. And I saw him and he stopped everything. And I said, yeah. there's no way he's going to play this way in the national hockey league and be successful. What a dummy I was. I mean, well, he was just so unorthodox. You you know, in soccer, when the goaltender comes out to challenge a, a guy in a breakaway, you never see that in hockey. You saw Dominic Hasek skate all the way out to the blue line and try to tackle a guy that was on a breakaway and try to take him by surprise. Who who does that in the game? But <laughs> Dominic was Dominic was different. But for me, the best goaltender I ever played against was was Marty Brodeur. He he was so good and 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 covered so much of the net and had such a different style at the time that it, it kind of perplexed a lot of players because you know him and him and uh, Patrick Waugh really kind of created the butterfly goaltender mentality that was brand new back in the early 90s that totally flustered everybody because it used to be the Greg Millen, you know, uh, Grant Fear style, just, you know, knock pucks out of the air or, you know, wouldn't go down in the ice because they had to pick themselves back up again and they weren't in good enough right. shape to be, uh, be able Jerry to do that Cheevers. all the time. Char Jerry yeah. Cheevers, charge out and take away yeah. the angle, right? Exactly. God forbid if you go down on the ice because most of the effort that they're going to have is getting back up to their feet again. So, you know, that's <laughs> crazy. I thought, I think my, my vote is for Brodora as the best goaltender.
ever, but I'm sure yes, that'll change over time. But I, there have been some great ones. What about defensemen? So, you know, Ray Bork was always one of those guys that drove me crazy. I mean, the model of excellence and, and, and you know, watching him growing up and then being able to play against him was was unbelievable. Watching a Paul Coffey skate, watching a Brian Leach dominate the game. You know, Brian Leach is the last player, last defenseman to score 100 points in the season. We might get that with Eric Carlson this year. But Brian Leach scoring 100 points in 1991 was just absolutely spectacular. And you want to talk about a guy who was dedicated to the game that was one of the toughest guys to play against and play with is, is Chris Chelios. Um, you know, the, every, everything about those players, they brought everything to the, to the game. So, you know, that's, those are the kind of guys that jumped to my, jumped to my, yeah. um, you know, my I, first. I, I, I was able to play with Ray Bork and then I coached him. And I remember one time we were in Vancouver and the guys were tired and they just played a really crappy game against Winnipeg. And so rather than skate them, I skated myself, but I started with each. I said, Oh, it's Ray Bork, Mr. Hall of Famer, going to be a Hall of Famer, one of the best in the league. Ray, Ray giveaway. You got to throw it up the middle. I'm so stupid. I don't punish you for that. And I skated over and back. And then I went to the next guy and said something about them, skated over and back. The next game, I think Ray had it a goal and like five assists against Vancouver the following night. Yeah. Yeah. So, just, don't piss, don't piss Ray off. That's no. for sure. And you know, he, he's just, he was just a model of excellence. You know, it's just Mr. Consistency, you know, it's just and I, best I, centerman yeah. besides yourself. Can't vote yourself, but best centerman um, you ever saw. I, you know, centerman is like, it's crazy when you think of the centerman that played that, that I played against, right? You got well, let me ask Eisenman. you a tougher, a tougher question. Messier okay. or Gretzky? No, Messier was the most intimidating player I ever played against. I remember going into I remember going into the faceoff circle to start a game, and I remember looking at the referee every single time at the opening faceoff dot because Mess was looking at me with that square jaw and that those that look that he had on his face with his his cheekbone sitting out there with <laughs> looking at looking at me like he wanted to eat my kids up before we ever started. And I remember. You know, I remember every time I went up, I said to the referee, just drop it really fast and let's get out of the <laughs> game. Like, don't even – I don't want to be in here any longer than, than I want to be. And I, I mean, Messier beat yeah. us in Chicago by himself uh, two or three times, which was unbelievable. So, um, Messier, was, Messier was more intimidating for me to play against for sure. Yeah, I, I thought that uh, – you know, I've said that before, that if I had to choose between the two of them, I'd always pick uh, – Messier, if they went head to head, Gretzky and Messier, Messier would punch him in the head. Or, yep. you know, when we played against them in the Stanley Cup Finals, he cross checked Dave Poole into the ice and killed his knee. And that was so he was you, such a big part. You remember Messier back in the back when they played in the Russian series? He he broke the the the, the top Russian guy's leg. So right in the first game, so he couldn't play the rest of the week. Just two handed him right right across the ankle, broke his ankle, so he couldn't play. And I remember Brett must have been talking to Bobby Clark, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he did that in nineteen seventy two with Harlow. Well, exactly, exactly. Well, what Messi Messi used to do this thing to start a game at and and another reason why I told the referee to drop it fast. He used to put his stick down to start a game and pretend that he lost his balance and went backwards and flipped his stick up like he like he was going backwards and hit you right in the mouth. Like literally right off the right off the start, he would high stick you in the mouth like he pretended to fall down, which you know mess isn't gonna do that to start the game. But if he clips you, you're getting cut first first shift. And and mess wanted to send a message right away like that. I've seen him do that a bunch of times. He almost got me a few times. But the best player, the best I I think the best centerman, most talented centerman that, that that's ever hit the ice is Connor McDavid that we get to watch now. I don't think there's ever Yeah, I'm glad to, you brought him up. This is his it's, what is this? thing with his ability to accelerate with the puck and i mean I, it's just everything about him is incredible he he every even when he's doing nothing he's exciting to watch i mean that's nobody nobody has edge work like con mcdavid nobody can spin and turn on a dime nobody can go with the pace and the speed with the puck that Connor McDavid can do. If you watch where he puts the puck in sick hailing situations, he literally takes it right into the defenseman's feet, into their stick, passes it within these little tight little places that the defenseman can't even get to because it's such a small area between their stick and their feet. His precision and his hockey knowledge, as well as his talent, 
he is the best player ever, most talented player ever to put on two blades. And you can't, you can't, you can't. Even, but, even more than um, with Gretzky or Lemieux? Way more, way more. Way, if, if, if Connor McDavid of today played back in the 80s, he would have scored 350 points. <laughs> but will they get out of the conference? I mean, I, I don't know this coach. I talked to Keith Jones about him. He's awesome. Is he? He looks like he should be a gym teacher. He's he is awesome. He was my assistant coach in San Jose uh, under Todd under Todd McClellan, uh, and he is a he's a hockey nerd, an absolute hockey nerd. He knows everything about the game. He knows about every player. He's a he's a system junkie. Um, I, I think he players respond to him. I just don't think do I don't they think do, they, a, do they though? Don't you have to have some sort of ability to walk into the room and command attention? It doesn't look like he would do that. You might have I the just knowledge. I, I just don't think that they have the. I don't think they have the the, the enough. Um, their third and fourth line are just not. They're not. They they do nothing. You can't win the Stanley Cup with two lines, and you know as well as I do. And and the Edmonton Oilers have have a you know a, a six 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 lines six six players deep in terms of their offense. After that, you know their goaltender is no good. I don't yeah, think they, I, that, they made a mistake, and, and I, I understand it's Edmonton. I, I if I were Connor McDavid, if you were Connor McDavid, would you ever have signed a deal for that length of time and stay in Edmonton? I mean, not, you played in some pretty good places, but I mean, to play I don't, I, your entire I don't career understand. in Edmonton would be just a. It's that you look what Gretzky did when he moved to LA, could, right? The game got moved a big time. Could you imagine if Austin Matthews? signs in Arizona and uh, Connor McDavid would have signed in Toronto. What kind of just a, an unbelievable just explosion that would have been in, in the game. And then you have a, a kid like Connor Bedard coming on to the scene that could be in a place like Chicago or a place like Philadelphia. I mean, just think of, think of what, the, what that could do for the national hockey league because Connor McDavid in Edmonton does nothing for the national hockey league. So, sorry. Well, you hardly ever see him. And you know, when you, but when you see him, Although I will say we saw him in Boston, they beat the Bruins three two, and he, he was quiet that night. I was disappointed, but every other time I've seen him, he's just he just lights it up and and in such an exciting fashion. It's just you yeah. know he's worth he's one of those guys. It's worth the price of admission. God, you just you just you just took my next line out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say, and then some. And greatest goal scorer you've ever seen, uh, Alex Ovechkin, without question. Alex Ovechkin is the best goal scorer I've ever seen. The way that he's been able to put the pocket in that in this day and age with the goaltenders that are as big as they are, as talented as they are, as in good shape as they are, with the equipment that they wear, playing against the defensemen that can, you know, span, you know, eight feet in length, that can skate, players that can skate fast. The fact that he can put up these numbers and, and get as close to Gretz as he's been able to. Um, Alex Ovechkin is the best goal scorer pure goal scorer that I've ever seen. Probably followed by by Brett, Mario. If you look at Mario Lemieux, Michael, Mario Lemieux's goals per game is astonishing. And if he didn't get sick, if we didn't have the if if he didn't miss those games due to cancer, those seasons and we didn't have some lockout seasons, back surgery. Back surgery. I mean I think he had six hundred and seventy goals in nine hundred and fifty games. I mean this Mario Lemieux is very vastly underrated as probably one of the best goal scorers. And Yarmir Yager, Yarmir Yager, look where he finished, right? He was like, he's third overall and he missed three, four years by going back to, you know, with a lockout and going back to Russia to play. I mean, these guys are amazing goal scorers, but I still think Alex Ovechkin being able to put up 50 every year in this day and age is incredible. Well, I would, I beg to differ only because I played against Mario. I coached against Mario. He was unstoppable. Like if you could put a guy in his shorts. One 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 playoff season we had they had Recky and and Mario and I forget who was the left. Yeah, and Yager, left Stevens and Stevens and Kevin Stevens. Well, they had Ron Francis. They had a whole host of Hall of Famers, but yeah. we shadowed all three of them. We shadowed yeah. Recky. Well, they- Yager, they beat Yager us and Lemieux, and we still yeah. couldn't make it work. Yeah, they they beat us in the '92 Cup Finals. You know, we had them we had them down four one in Game One, and they they came back and beat us five four. 
all Yager, all Mario. You just they, you couldn't, you know. It's it, it is that you gotta you gotta hope to contain them because you can't stop them, right? It's just yeah, yeah. But listen, I, you can't you can't argue. Even you can't when argue we shadowed Mario. them, even when we shadowed Mario, we found some way to you know go to the front of the net and stand there beside another defenseman and have two guys on him. It was it was just yeah, his brain yeah, worked in such a different way. Plus, he was huge. Plus, he was huge and strong. His, 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 he had the best hands for a big man that I've ever seen. Ever. Really soft. And the other, ah, just while brutal. we're talking about goal scorers, though, the late, and there are two of them. One was Guy Lafleur, who, who could mm -hmm. just fly in an age where slap shots were appropriate and could yep. could score. I mean, I mean he. He tied the game up when yeah. we we're in too many men on the ice game, which I don't want to talk about. But yeah, yeah. Um, and, he also and Mike Bossy, also, Mike, 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 yeah, him and Mike Bossy. Yeah. He, awesome. he he'd hide out there. I, I don't know how yeah. they did that. They 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 hid in plain sight. Yep. Well, you know, Mike Bossy scored 10, 50 goal seasons in twelve years. I mean, only twelve years of his career. I mean, he's probably one of the best shooters ever ever to come down the wing and and shoot off the wing is Mike Bossy. You know, Guy Lafleur watching his hair fly, fly you know, the, the flower and the way he played. I mean, he, I mean, even even Bobby Hall, like look at Bobby Hall and the goals he, he scored. I mean, the, he he revolutionized the the, the 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 stick and the shot. You know, these these guys that we've lost this past year have, have been yeah, demoralizing. That, yeah, we lost Bobby Hall and, and and Stan Mikita. You know, I had a, we had a bench clearing brawl in Chicago against uh, when Stan Mikita was playing. And yeah. I had a fight with Grant Mulvey, and then I switched over, and, the, and I wound up with with Stan Makita on the on the Blackhawk logo at center ice, and I was on top no of him with my my right hand free. <laughs> and he looks up at me and he says, "Take it easy, kid." <laughs> you know, That's he was so a tough funny. he was a tough he guy was... in his own right in the early going, but I, you know, yeah. I had so much respect for him. I just actually started to laugh. It was just yeah. hilarious in the middle of this brawl on top of Stan Makita, the old Chicago Stadium. Man. He was a hey, wonderful um, man. Why are you – this is going to be a tough question for you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why are you not in the NHL Hall of Fame? Uh, because I'm not, one of their, I'm not one of the boys. I'm not part of the boys club. You know, I'm just not their type of personality. I mean, if I'm, Bernie freaking Federko can be in the Hall of Fame, there's room for Jeremy Roenick. If the if the Sedin twins can be in the Hall of Fame, you can take Daniel. You can take Henrik Sedin or Daniel Sedin's or no, Henrik Sedin's goal totals and double them, and he still doesn't score as many as I do. But you know, it, listen, the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame. It they it's. Have you ever they, talked I'm, to anybody? Every any, I, you know, talk, I, any I, the committee members or anything. Okay, this is this is the question, and this is my answer to you. You say people ask me, "Am, am I a Hall of Famer?" And my answer, my my question back is, "You tell me, tell me why I'm not." Well, is it, is, is it because I can't of my is it because question, is I it because of my be mouth? It. Is it because of my mouth? Is it because I was uh, opinionated? Is it because I took on the National Hockey League? Is it because I, um, you know, I, I I don't know. I never broke the law. I was never in trouble with the law. I never did anything, you know, to break the the NHL substance abuse rules or anything like that. So, you know, so my, my, my numbers all go in. You can't say that you have to win a Stanley cup anymore because there's a lot of guys that are in there now that have a lot of guys, cups. a lot, a of, lot guys. of guys. So it just comes down to, uh, listen, I'm just not their, their type of person. And it comes down. I, I think it comes down to personality, not, not numbers. Well, I think you belong there, JR. I I'm going to, uh, now that I well, brought I it up, it. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to make a and couple Michael, of phone calls. Not that my influence is much anymore, but I'm going to at least find well, out I, why. I'd like to know why. Well, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to get on there because that 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 ass Pierre Maguire is on the, is on the board. And you know that's hard on to the believe. Board. Yeah, that you know that's that's always going to go against me because um, you know as long as Pierre's there, it's that's one vote against me. But uh, that's another story in itself. But yeah. you know what bothers me? But what bothers me is like how does. How does Alexander Mogilny not get into the Hall of Fame? I mean, he re he literally is the is the paveway the, the the paver for the the Russian Federation to get into the National Hockey League. Yeah, the, he and Fatisov. Yeah. I mean, they had to they had to really. I mean, he had to yeah, slink but, yeah, out but, of the country. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Mogilny defected and left from the World Juniors and put his life on the line, put his family's life on the line. I mean, he opened up the doors for you know for guys like like. Um, 
like Fatisov, like Larionov, like Ovechkin now. And he had 485 goals. He won a Stanley Cup. He played in the Olympics. You, you can't tell me Alexander McGillie is not a Hall of Famer. You cannot tell me that Theo Fleury is not a Hall of Famer. His size overcoming the, you know, the sexual abuse that he went through as, in the juniors as a small player. You know, to score 455 goals, a Stanley Cup, he has an Olympic gold medal, all the things that this guy's done. But the problem is, I don't, it doesn't bother me that I'm not in the Hall of Fame anymore. You know what bothers me, Michael, is that my dad didn't get to see it if it does happen. My dad passed in, in um, 2021 in January, and that is eight years after I was eligible to go into the, into the Hall of Fame. Eight years passed that my dad could have seen that, and for what he did for me in the game, for what he sacrificed, for, you know, what he allowed me. And he never missed a game of mine in the National Hockey League. For 20 years, he never missed one game. And it would have been nice uh, of a of a going away present for my dad to see me get inducted. But um, he won't be able to see that now. And I think that's what bothers me the most. Well, someday, I hope it'll happen. You deserve it. And I appreciate your time today. And uh, what are you doing? Tell everybody what you're doing. Your local boys made good in hockey, yeah. but also <laughs> making good now. Yeah, well, I live on the opposite coast of the country. I live in San Diego, and uh, I live right next to the beach. I play a lot of golf. I I'm, I'm actually have a real job. I work for a construction company as, as a sales, uh, sales and development guy, entertaining our clients and taking them to hockey games, taking the you know golf trips and taking them out to eat and making money in the construction world. And I just started a new company called Whiskey in the Wild. It's a chocolate and chocolate orange whiskey. And it's something that you have to try because it's the best whiskey that you'll ever have. So it's one yeah. of my new ventures I just started. Yeah. Well, if you need an assistant on that entertainment side, let me know, will you? <laughs> hey, I, hey, listen, I think you and I have always been a great team. And I think we should start a podcast together and entertain everybody. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate your time. You Good got luck. It. You Come got see it. me on you the Cape. It. We'll play some golf. I'm, I'm bad, I'll, but I, I you can I'll, carry I'll, me. I'll be there in a month and a half. I'll look you up. All right, kid. Thanks. Love you. Bye, Michael. Love you too, buddy. See ya.